0: and that is William Redfish Barger. William, uh, good afternoon. How are you, sir?
1: Doing great, Drew. How are you, buddy?
0: Doing well, man. And Thanks for coming on with us again. Uh, I guess uh, this was kind of inevitable, uh, this performance by this Alabama team. They had had pretty much laser focus throughout this season, uh, but did not play their best game on uh, Saturday, uh, On the, especially the offensive side of the football. Defensively, still holding uh, Chattanooga to three points, a team that, did make the FCS playoffs uh, is as is they will uh, host a first-round game and get the winner of their matchup, gets uh, unbeaten Sam Houston State. But still, what did you take, first of all, offensively, out of this past, past weekend?
1: Well, those of us that weren't at the game like you were, got to miss the first 15 minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, right that's out.
0: right. That's right, the, the uh, Kansas-Texas game. <laughs> I,
1: I don't know if they look discombobulated right out of the gate, but once the uh, ESPN coverage turned on, you know, it just didn't look like they were in rhythm. Um, you know, just, just like you said, I mean, there's, there's games, usually several games like that um, during the course of the season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult for, you know, the coaches to get a, a team to play a complete performance at a peak level more than three or four times a year. And especially when you get this late in the schedule, um, you know they've already clinched the the s e c west and then going to play for another s e c championship. They're in the playoff picture. so um I don't think it should be that big of a you know a shocker to people um you know of course, Alabama fans expect a perfect performance every week, so you know there's a lot of disgruntled alabama fans, but i I really don't see that it's anything to be concerned about. it just it was one of those days where you know and I thought the play call. Um, you know, was all over the place as well. I mean, they, they skipped around a lot and didn't, uh, you know, when something was working, they didn't stick with really. it. You could tell they were experimenting a little bit, but, you know, the offensive line play, um, you know, was inconsistent. You know, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, struggled at times to, to see the field and, uh, you know, took off and run a lot. So, um, I think it's something that, you know, it's just inevitable. It's going to happen and you just got to, I think hope is a coaching staff that you can, you know, kind of gut your way through one of those deals, and, and they did. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like Coach Stallings used to tell the media, if you don't think a game like a U.K. Chattanooga is important, just wait till you lose one and you find out how just important it really is.
0: Absolutely. And then uh, your thoughts on what we saw at right guard, Corin Curvin started but then gave way to Josh Castor. Castor seemed to get most of the reps there. Then Curvin came in for the shaking up Cam Robinson. He also leaves injured. Uh, Brandon Green takes the rest of the snaps in the fourth quarter at left tackle. How concerning in your mind are these injuries?
1: I think everybody's fine. Um, They actually slipped Jonah Williams in there in the last couple of drives at left tackle.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, They moved Bernie Green back over to right tackle, and Casher was at right guard. Um, I thought Casher played pretty well. I mean, he's always a guy that – um, you know, he's very powerful at the point of attack. It gets leverage on people because he's not the tallest offensive lineman. But, um, you know, certainly I think they want to get that shorn up uh, by Saturday. And, uh, you know, I don't think any of these injuries, I expect uh, the same 11 guys to start against Auburn Saturday that started Saturday against UT Chattanooga. They were all, you know, more stinger-related than anything. Mm-hmm. Um I think Reuben Foster's struggling a little bit with that hand injury that's been a, you know, kind of plaguing him for the last two years with the bone that keeps dislocating on him. Um, but he should be 100% healthy for um, Auburn come Saturday.
0: And do you think uh, that Reuben, who is named a uh, Buckus Award finalist today, uh, do, do you think that he will uh, – have a chance to get healthy should Alabama win the SEC championship and go on to the playoff? Will he be healthy by then or is this something that's going to have to be corrected via surgery?
1: Well, it took a surgical procedure last year to correct it. I don't know all the details of it if it's the exact same thing. Uh, But certainly he'll be uh, feeling a lot better by, you know, December 31st, January 1st than he is right now. So, I'd say the say that's probably you're going to see that club, uh, you know, at least until the first bowl game.
0: And then uh, I thought he showed a lot of toughness coming back in, William, and didn't and still played well Saturday. What were your thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, I think Ruben's a guy that plays at a high level every week. I mean, he's a, a leader of that defense, a guy that gets them lined up correctly. You know, you've really seen him take on a, a mentorship-type role on this team this year. He's, he's, I mean, he's over there spending as much time you know, with some of those young guys on offense, uh, when they come off the field, as he is with the guys on on his side of the football, yeah, I see him uh, congratulating and, and kind of you know slapping Damian Harris on the rear uh, the rear end a lot when he comes off the field. So I mean, he's really uh, come a long way um, in the last four years, probably more so from a. Um, emotional and and a maturity standpoint versus what he's always been able to do on the field. Nobody's ever, you know, put a question mark beside that.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And then uh, it's got to be kind of a proud moment uh, for you, Ruben, uh, who you followed very closely in the recruiting process is a finalist for the Buckus Award, and then so is Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, if you look at the uh, the list of finalists, I think at least three of them. I think the the guy from Florida made the list too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's a good chance that the the, the winner um, is going to come from the Southeastern Conference. And I think based on statistics and um, you know what they've done this year, I expect it to either be Reuben Foster or Zach that Tony
0: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, and then what a performance by Vanderbilt! Uh, they kind of took apart Ole Miss on Saturday, William.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, Drew, how, you know, somebody can go from the the, the penthouse to the outhouse and in a the seven day period of time in the Southeast <laughs> Conference. But uh that's kinda where Shay Patterson finds himself. And you know, I think it's really unfair. I mean, you know, especially at the quarterback position, they get way too much credit and way too much blame when things go bad. Um, you know, he's a he's a you know, a, a freshman, you know, kinda getting thrown to get in front of the wolves. Um with a beaten and battered team that he's trying to operate with, I mean, I'm assuming they still have the, the all those injuries on their offensive line that they had when they when they played Auburn a couple of weeks ago. But uh, you know, look, I mean, I think quietly under the radar, um, uh, oh God, what's the coach's name at Vanderbilt? It escapes me.
0: Derek Mason.
1: Uh, Mason. Yeah, you know, he, he's really doing a, a pretty good job in a very difficult position um, from a recruiting standpoint. You know, he's he started to put together a solid program up there. You know, it may take him another year or two, but I think he's made a lot of strides with that program this year.
0: And here's the funny thing, William. I was just going to tell you, the the, final, the five finalists for the buckets are Zach Cunningham, Reuben Foster, uh, Gerard Davis of Florida, who you mentioned, Kendall Beckwith of LSU, and then Josie Jewell of Iowa. So four SEC guys in the in the top five.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think that just speaks to the talent level in the SEC. I mean, I would imagine if you go down uh, all of the award lists on the defensive side of the football, you'll see a, a pretty strong SEC flavor there. There's there's no secret that, you know, in my opinion, it's always been this way. You know, the best talent in the country, you know, comes out of the state of Florida, Georgia, um, Alabama, and, and LSU to a lesser degree. You kind of have to factor in the per capita Uh, percentage with that but if you look at you know NFL rosters it's littered with guys from the southeastern part of the United States
0: and uh, that's and you're right William there's so much talent in the SEC but speaking of that uh, Alabama now turns its focus to Auburn Uh, the 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 $64,000 question is who's going to show up for the Tigers as far as who is healthy who is not uh we uh i think Jeremy Johnson started this past week not just for senior day but for a reason because they needed to get him game action because Sean White's too banged up it, uh, we both believe Petway is likely not to play just your thoughts on uh, this outlook uh with uh, you know i, I think Alabama's going to get refocused for this Iron Bowl which could uh, be trouble for the Tigers but just talk about what, what you see out of this Alabama Auburn matchup
1: well, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to get a feel for it from the Auburn perspective because, you know, uh, Sean White's battling with a with a labrum injury in his shoulder. Obviously, Petway's got a, you know, a quad pull, which is a very difficult injury to come back from in, in, a, in a quick manner. Um, you know, they're going to have to really rely on, you know, carry on Johnson at the running back position. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a big jump. If, in fact, you know, they start Jeremy Johnson, uh, there's going to be a big jump in the uh, level of competition going from facing Alabama A&M's defense to, to Alabama's defense on Saturday. Um, you know, certainly they come into this game with uh, one of the best defensive lines in the country. Um, got some very good talent with Paul Lawson and Montrevious Adams. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that depth is quite panned out um, the way that they thought it would at the first part of the year. Um, you know, they've lost Byron Cowart for the year. Um, so, you know, they're, they're very good in their defensive line, and I think they can present some matchup problems um, as far as slowing Alabama's offense down. Um, but, I, you know, I just think that this is a you – know, you just don't know. I mean, unless you're at Auburn's practice and you see the personnel that they're working with, you know, they've kind of lost that hammer that they had in Petway that was so effective at getting, uh, you know, big runs up the middle between the tackles and uh, it's going to be interesting to see the kind of uh, game plan that Gus Malzahn and Rhett Lashley can produce Saturday against you know, arguably the best defense in college football.
0: And then uh, if they can't run the ball effectively, you have to believe their passing game, which is predicated off the run so much and the play action, is going to struggle against this Alabama secondary.
1: Yeah, you know that's it's a interesting dynamic there when you look at Auburn's wide receiver core. They've got some really good young wide receivers um, that they signed last year, and Nate Craig Myers and uh, the Stove Kid out of Georgia. Uh, but they, they they just haven't gotten those guys involved in the games as much as you expected them to. And um, you know they're older guys at that position. Um, I think have really failed to bail the quarterback position out at times this year. Um, going back to last year even with a lot of drops. Um, so, you know, that's something that I, just, I think probably been uh, a big surprise to me more than anything is, is, you know, at times this year, Auburn has really struggled to get in a groove with their passing game. And, uh, you know, some, some weekends it was because of the quarterback. Some weekends it was because of the wide receivers. But I do think that's going to be an area of need for them Saturday against this Alabama defense. That's proven to be very stingy against
0: the run. Yeah, it really has, and uh, and uh, I know the uh, the line's gotten up to twenty, William. Uh, and if Auburn can protect the ball and force Alabama into some mistakes, I think they can stay in it into the fourth quarter. Otherwise, I do think Alabama can win going away. Just what is, what does your gut tell you about this matchup?
1: You know, I mean, if, if Auburn was to give Alabama some cheap turnovers, I could see maybe you know them them winning. Um, and covering that point spread, but I think this game um, is going to be very similar to the one last year.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: you know, Alabama, you know, really moved the ball at will um, between the 20s against Auburn last year, but you know, had to settle for five field goals. And you know, Alabama, I mean, Auburn, excuse me, was really in that game uh, going you know, deep into the fourth quarter um, you know, prior to Will play meltdown, and and then, you know, of course, they gave up that that cheap touchdown to Derrick Henry there at the end of the game. But I I expect it to be a dogfight. I mean, you know, this is a team that, um, you know, people were kind of riding off as dead going into the month of October. They bounced back. I think the coaches did a really good job of, you know, keeping the players engaged and not losing the locker room. Um, So, you know, it's, uh, they would love to, uh, you know, play the spoiler role and give Alabama their first loss of the season, um, I think they've got the tools to do it defensively. Um, but you just, just kind of have to scratch your head and wonder, uh, you know, just how effective um, they can be at, you know, moving the change, picking up third downs. You know, certainly if they, uh, you know, get inside the, the 40-yard line on Alabama's side of the field, they've got a kicker in Carlson um, that can, you know, produce as many field goals as they can get in the range to make. But But I just think if they – you know, if they're inconsistent like they were against Georgia um, as far as picking up first downs, keeping the defense off of the field, then all of a sudden that window of opportunity of, of you know, keeping themselves into the game going into the deep, uh, the fourth quarter, that starts to shrink and condense. And that defense is going to get tired and going out.
0: And then uh, what we saw this past uh, Saturday, Jalen Hurts, Uh, He's uh, broken Stedman Sheely's record for rushing yards by a quarterback in a season now with 11 touchdowns rushing, 803 yards. How do you see him uh, matching up against this Auburn defense? The front is very good. Uh, I don't think the back seven is as good as LSU's, and he was the difference in that game. Do you see him being the difference Saturday? Yeah, I think,
1: you know, I think he had a really up-and-down game Saturday against UT Chattanooga. You know, the The touchdown pass that he threw to Calvin Ridley was about as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. And then there were some other intermediate throws that, you know, it just didn't look like he was on the same page as the wide receivers. Um, I do think that, you know, he did a pretty good job of of improvising when he got into trouble and was under some pressure. Um, But, you know, this was an opportunity for him. You know, if I was Lane Kiffin, certainly you ought to be able to establish the run. Um, You know, because those run-pass options and the play-action passes are predicated on having a successful running game. But certainly, I think the weakness of this this Auburn defense is in that back seven. They've uh, they've got one really good uh, shutdown corner in Carlton Davis. Um, who's a little bit banged up right now himself. Um, But, you know, if, if Jalen Hurts is on and the Alabama offensive line gets in time, you know, that is one area that I think Lane Kittman could exploit is uh, you know, the wide receivers and even the running backs matching up with all the linebackers in coverage. Um, I think there could be a pretty uh prolific passing performance there, uh, you know, if if the offensive line and, and Jalen is able to uh you know pick it up and produce.
0: Yeah, I think uh if they give him time and if they have a and if they can uh if they establish the run early, I do think uh, that Alabama can hurt Auburn there and kind of wear them down. Uh, I think they can uh, – I think in the, in, the, in the middle part of the third quarter, into the fourth, I like Alabama in the game. I think it's going to be double figures, but I doubt they're going to cover the 20 points. But uh, as you said, uh, that's a big uh, uh, spread there. And your final couple of thoughts uh, on what we saw this weekend, doesn't look like Ed Ogeron will be around in red stick.
1: No, and I, I didn't think he was going to be around you know, when they named him the interim job. Uh, so that's a, you know, To me, it's one of the top ten coaching jobs in college football. Uh, you, know, if you don't have another school in state to compete with, to keep all that talent home that comes out of the state of Louisiana every year. You know, they've got great facilities. They've got a great fan base, Tiger Stadium. Uh, to me, it's the most difficult place to play college football. Uh, they, they shouldn't have any trouble um, as long as they don't try and take the cheap route of, of attracting a you know a, a head coach. And it looks like they're you know kind of going all in again on Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know, there's certainly some dynamics in his personal life I think that make this um, a little bit more of an attractive time for him to make the move and make that move to LSU than it was this time last year. Uh, you know, that, that Florida State program seems to have stagnated a little bit. And, uh, you know, they've got way too much talent. At most of uh, the positions on the field down there at Florida State to, you know, have lost the ball games that they lost this year. So, um, what will be interesting to see if the, uh, the brass at LSU can put that deal together? Uh, I think if they do, you'll know pretty quickly. Um, after their final game against Florida this weekend, or whether they've been able to do that or not. But certainly, um, you know, and if he does take the job, but then I think it becomes an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, does he keep Dave Aranda? Does he keep Ed Oger on? You know, does he keep Damian Craig? Um, you know, does he try and make a move? You know, I personally think he would have a difficult time, you know, of attracting a big time offensive coordinator because basically Jimbo Fisher is his own offensive coordinator. But, uh, you know, if he could keep Dave Veranda and, uh, you know, on there to coach that defensive line and, uh, you know, bring in a good offensive staff, I think he could have a lot of success at, at LSU. I mean, it's, uh, it's not a difficult place to recruit to and get great players. And he, he's certainly a guy that's proven, um, you know, in his time as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach that he makes great quarterback evaluations. Um, I think the quarterback that, that he's got now at Florida State, the Francois kid, is a fantastic young quarterback. He just didn't have a lot of time, uh, you know, this season due to the, the, uh, the inadequacies of the offensive line, not giving him enough time to do stuff. I think it affected Dalvin Cook to a certain extent in his rushing performances. So, you know, you just have to uh, – Kind of take a wait-and-see attitude, but certainly I think there's going to be a lot of movement and uh, you know, shake-ups uh, here in the next week and a half, two weeks, once the regular season gets over with. You're going to see you know, a lot of head coaching jobs open up and a lot of rumors about somebody going here, somebody going there. It's just, it's an interesting time if you're a college football fan because there is always so much going on um, during, during the month of December.
0: really is. And then finally – uh, you do like Alabama in the game, but I'm just assuming under the number.
1: Yeah, I, I just you know I just think that depending on what Auburn's health situation is, um, you know I just that that's a big line for me in a in a rivalry game like this. Um, you know I think that if somebody stuck a gun to my head, I would I would take Auburn in the points. Um, and, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I, I don't you know I, I think that. Uh, you know Auburn's gonna have a hard time scoring points on Alabama, so you know I, I really think that game last year is kind of the the benchmark. I mean I kind of see a, you know maybe a, a 28 to 13 type of an outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's probably wise. Uh, considering uh, this rivalry and what it means to the people in this state. And I do think Alabama is the much better team, but that Auburn will have a good accounting of themselves. William, we always appreciate the time. Thank you for coming on Talking Ball, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you after Thanksgiving and have a good one with you and your family.
3: You too, Drew. Talk to you soon. And that was Drudy Armand with William Redfish Barger. Again, just if you're tuning in right now, we're doing a little best of because Drew and I are both celebrating Thanksgiving with our families. But uh, our next conversation is actually something. This is the Alabama Scheme team that I do with Murph Baldwin. Uh, One of our shows this week, we discussed the Auburn defense against the Alabama defense in terms of talent. We also gave our picks. So here we go. This is Murph and I talking
4: Iron Bowl. Uh, We did the offensive draft. You know, we like to do it on the Scheme team. We'll go through uh, each positional group and see who exactly what we trade for um on each team we had a really good one with LSU and Alabama I think that was our closest one to where we actually did take players and trade them from with me taking the stance from LSU and Thomas being the Alabama homer that he is with us trading players there but I mean I, I can be that guy <laughs> but as um we didn't do have anybody on Auburn's offense that we thought that Alabama would trade for but this may be a different scenario so all right let's start with the defensive backfield we're gonna save the best for last so let's start with the defensive backfield anybody on there that you that you can dig and keep in mind that martin humphrey is struggling
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say would a guy like a josh holsey be worth a uh, worth consideration nah, not as a cornerback
4: it would have to be Carlton davis but i think Carlton davis may be a little overrated i think he's a martin humphrey style right now
3: well Then that kind of precludes that. All right, let's move it along. (laughs) Well, I mean, and the the other thing you have to talk about is, you know, how how good has Tony Brown been at star through two Mm -hmm. games? I think he or three games now. I think he's been he has. Let me put it this way: it hasn't he hasn't made mistakes that have popped. If he's made mistakes, they haven't been catastrophic mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you get it? Do you look at a guy like a Jonathan Ford who's listed as the nickel guy? You know. Rudy Ford,
4: uh, yeah, Rudy Ford's a good player, man. They got him yeah. playing running back recently, and he returns kicks. Of course, I think he's one of the better kick
3: returners in the nation. So, I mean, I'm I'm just lo- I'm like going going looking at a couple Auburn of players chart.
4: that you might not know or or you might not. Steven Roberts was a cornerback that um, mm-hmm. they moved to safety, and. He's been looking really good at the at the safety position, and I've been wondering about him being a liability when he was coming in. I wondered about his weight and his size and everything, but man, he's been doing pretty good there. But the cat that I like is a former Georgia player, Trey Matthews. But Trey Matthews, to me, man, he's kind of hit or miss. I thought he was going to be a, I honestly thought he was going to be a star. Everybody remembers him from the from the Auburn game, to where him and another Georgia transfer, Josh Harvey Clemens, who plays for Louisville, both tipped the ball in the air, and it's a miracle that Jordan Aaron or whatever. So Louisville,
3: oof. Oh, that Houston game? Oh, that was rough. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, that was bad. But anyway, continue.
4: Yeah, trick, trick or trade. Matthews, man. Nice size safety. Can be physical. Can be extremely physical. You can play him around the box. You can blitz him. You can get him off the edge. You uh, can do some stuff back end work as well. Um, but no, I'm sorry. Mika Fitzpatrick plays, plays on the back end. And, and my man, Ronnie Harrison. Ronnie Harrison has some annoying dude. Uh, that is on Twitter. He's a big Ronnie Harrison fan. I don't know. it's like Daddy Harrison or somebody like that. But he hopped all up uh. in my conversation and my mentions, man, um, when me and my buddy Ricky the Great was talking about mm. – I don't know. We were talking about something. What were we talking about? It had to have been something with Ronnie Harrison. Oh,
3: we yeah, were I talk- think that conversation spun out of when we were calling Anthony Averett, you know, D. D Averett or whatever. I think oh, I yeah. remember that conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
4: We know that's Steve Milner.
3: <laughs> you gotta, uh, I'm sorry. We are not trading away D builder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but
4: no, um. So yeah, and you hopped all up in the mentions. was talking about how like Florida State didn't really give him a sniff and all this and that. I'm like, man, what what does that matter? We're not even talking to you. So well, anybody that, out there on is- Twitter, hey, listen. Anybody out there on Twitter, man, don't be hopping up in my mentions. You see me talking to somebody, treat it like real life. I treat it like real life. When I'm talking to somebody, or somebody's talking to somebody one on one. Just because you can see it doesn't mean you need to hop in it. Like, I have some type of decorum about yourself, man. Come on, Daddy Harrison. I'll kick you upside your head, <laughs> homie. Don't be hopping up <laughs> in my mitches, man. What's wrong with you?
3: I mean, th- that that is an interesting subplot in that Ronnie Harrison was – he went to high school within, like, 10 miles of FSU, and FSU didn't even look at him. And that was – frankly, that's just a miss. There's no other way to put it, given what we've seen from Ronnie Harrison at Alabama. Well, what's but,
4: Ronnie, well, tell, well, tell me this. What's Ronnie Harrison's um, – He's a true sophomore, right?
3: I believe so, yes. I'd have to double check. You know, but who, I, plays I'm his,
4: you on know who plays his position at Florida State? That's a true sophomore?
3: Derwin James.
4: Yes. So Ronnie Harrison probably would be struggling for playing time there. Because that, you that's wanna, true. You wouldn't want to play Ronnie Harrison at the free safety position where you thought that maybe he could get some playing time or whatever like that. But, I mean, you can both have both those guys on the team and try to work it out. But, I mean, you go there and, and Derwin James is better than you. And you could be as good as you want to be you still might just not get the playing time that you would think or it might yeah, be later I, on
3: in your career uh, i agree i'm just i was all i was saying is there there is there is something to that story but i think you accurately pointed out that there's there's more to this conversation than just florida state didn't look at him they had derwin james committed
4: yeah. so this guy i saw him on his on his twitter he was up there talking about i guess he's obviously he's just searching names or whatever, because I've never heard of this cat. He never heard of me, obviously. Um, Yeah, so he was just going around searching people's name and writing and jumping up in their mentions. I hate stuff like that, man. You can't be that. If you know somebody, don't be hopping on Twitter worrying about the common people's reactions or their their analysis. They're common people, you know what I mean? Not me, obviously, but I'm just saying, just in general, (laughs) man, you can't be – I've seen people's mothers and everything, like hopping on Twitter, talking to fans. Like Georgia has a – uh, was it Terry Godwin's mother she's annoying she's up there yeah man she'll like tweet at you and stuff like that if you said like Terry Godwin threw an interception right on an end around and she's up there battling people Was like why would they have Terry oh, Godwin that yeah. quarterback she's up
3: there tweeting I, people I couldn't handle that personally or I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't handle that very well so yeah,
4: that's crazy man, yeah so. but, no um, thank you <laughs> but yeah um no I'm sorry I can't trade for uh, Alabama's backfield. Is extremely talented they didn't got it like that, and I think that's the Achilles' heel of their team. To be honest with you, is their defensive backfield. It's got a yeah. couple of players on it that I think are are, are pretty good, but mm, I think they could have a a lot better players. I think they need an upgrade, a serious talent upgrade
3: in the secondary. Well, I think I think that's the the issue with this Auburn defense. They're and we'll, we'll when we do the draft, we'll talk about this more. I think the front four is fantastic. And even the linebackers are solid, but then the you know the corners. It's like if if the front four gets stoned by like a good play of the offensive line, Auburn's very very vulnerable. They are but, man.
4: I would say this though: Carlton Davis probably as talented as anybody on Alabama's team. He just needs to put it together for his sophomore year. To me, he had a really good freshman year, and I was waiting for him to take the next step this year. And he's been kind of hit or miss. But he's a long, one of those long corners that everyone likes. Uh, he can be a little physical, but. I don't know. I can't get that Mike Williams game out of my mind either. Mike Williams went for like 15 catches on him for like 399 yards from Clemson. Just
3: just a couple of couple. Well, Mike Williams is also probably a first round ride receiver in, in Davis's and, defense. But and
4: you got to play. But football. that's still bad to play football like I got to play football. That's what I'm I am thinking. People like he's a first round pick. Like we've never seen first round picks get get hemmed up by good cornerbacks.
3: Uh, juju smith schuster alabama crimson tide thank you good night there you go <laughs> there you go but but yeah i hear what you're saying i i'm just again and the vice versa of that what about
4: um having to cover a guy like amari cooper if you're very hard grades and stuff like that so i <laughs> mean i mean
3: that was that was a 200 yard game <laughs> including getting like posterized where amari cooper just outright just out jumped you but Amari Cooper still doing that the in the NFL. So.
4: But I thought he couldn't high point the ball. And I thought he was a little scat back or a little <laughs> slot receiver or whatever <laughs> cat from Saturday down south said. Uh, people I don't, need I, to apologize, man. Some people say stuff and it's just so outlandish. Outlandish, well, man. I said, there, man, how many breakdowns did I have of Amari Cooper? He's one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, I started back with the, one of the first things I did when I said he was like Peter Ward." Has some people poo poo on that. I'm like, dude, he's exactly like Peter Ward. Like, he's (laughs) a little bigger, but he's as shifty, as savvy, and everything like that. I'm like, man, you're gonna have to apologize, this guy. Ended up having his next two seasons ended up being phenomenal. He's still killing it in the
3: NFL. Let's say he owns the SEC record for most receptions in a year. So you know, got it. Got to be something there. Just a thought. (laughs) bad,
4: okay. So back to the matter at hand. Nope, nobody in the secondary, and I'm gonna say nobody on the second level either i do like yeah i like love Daryl williams and i love deshaun davis i like deshaun davis a lot uh he's a, a shorter player i think he's probably like 510 511 but man he's yeah. super he's a,
3: physical he actually played down here 511 he's listed 511 239 he played at Viger high school in pritchard oh pritchard's close to mobile yeah it's a suburb if, if i'm not even sure you'd call it Anything. I'm not even sure you'd call it a suburb. It's it's very close to Mobile. I'll put it to you that way. I could get to Viger Stadium in about ten fifteen minutes.
4: Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Uh, Trey Williams too. Trey Williams, I think, was going to be the star. They, that's a solid linebacking corpse. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect for what they have up front.
3: Trey Williams played about three blocks from my house. Yeah, he's definitely a Mobile <laughs> cat, right? Mobile's yeah, he played sport. at St. Paul's. There you go. Where um Coker played. Yeah, and McCarran and Mark Barron Mark and Josh Casher actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Alabama's got a few St. Paul's kids on their team or has had.
4: That's Damian Craig's area, man. What What are they doing not going to, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> you Wherever tell
3: Damian
4: me. <laughs> you know who else repeats that area pretty well, I believe? Um, T
3: Martin. Yeah. Well, uh, my high school, you know, you, getting me all off track, my high school, Miguel Tulin, is uh, playing in the state championship game, and T Martin pulled Marlon Williams from there. Oh, where Yeah, USC guy. You USC go. commit. Let's go. All
4: right, yep. man. So as your phone rings in the background there, and you know I'm going to kill you for that, you, know, you owe me $5 for that ring. But listen. Um, in the tip jar. Tip jar. Tip tip your waitress, man. So this front four, they run a 4-3 defense, right? Uh, they're very gap sound, but they're very aggressive. They're one of these teams that, man, if we're we're doing our normal schemes team stuff, I'm saying, hey, man, get your screen game going. Get your trap game going. These guys – fly up the field man these guys every one of these guys are phenomenal athletes uh and they rotate about eight nine deep so um we'll break from that right quick yeah get your screen game going get your trap game going get your draws going and um go that way and um you know alabama could do it alabama has a really good screen game um we haven't seen too many influence blocks from them but i'm pretty sure they could they could get that going as well Uh, we've seen quite a few teams get auburn off off balance like that and, of course, when you get that play-action game going, man, they're going to struggle to stop it because I don't think they have anybody on the back end. Those guys are solid, but but no, no, no. You do have to go by the guy that's delivering the ball as well. I saw him with a nice pass to Calvin Ridley, but Calvin Ridley was wide open in that Chattanooga game. Uh, I want to see him be able to hit an in-phase receiver off the vert game and be able to push those guys back like that because if there's no threat of the vert game or if there's no true threat of them – uh, having to pass the ball, I think these guys can deve- can dedicate extra attention to the back end because they may be able to stop the run up front organically with just seven players. And that's, that's a hard thing to say.
3: Yeah. It, you know, you say that for you know, talking about Jalen Hurts and his passing game. I, I know that Mississippi State is a completely different defense, completely different animal than this Auburn team. But we did see – some stuff completed over the middle by Jalen Hurts, and he he was letting it rip against State. So, Man, who doesn't? I know. I'm just saying, we've seen it. It's possible. So, uh, Arkansas did I will those say, guys? Yeah. I, 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 again, I'm saying, we've seen it. It's possible, but it is a very fair, open question Man, going into don't this know, game. I Our defense is light years, but Mississippi State's... Well, my high school defense might be better than Mississippi <laughs> State's. I mean, come on now. <laughs> uh, unless you're Texas A&M, of course.
4: <laughs> Who's actually got another... Defense that's wishy-washy like
3: that too. That's one oh, of the man. worst defenses.
2: And the, the, Arkansas's the, oh, defense. Man.
3: When that I mean Texas A&M struggled with UT San Antonio. Mm. What well, is on that the offensive noise? Side of the ball, right? Well, they, they held the A&M defense held them to ten points, but the offense sense. only scored twenty-three. But still, I mean the, the oh man, and or you give Shea Patterson like a three-hundred-yard half. Oh come on bad. now, Vanderbilt baby. Don't sleep on Vandy. Yeah. Vandy Tennessee is going to be a heck of a matchup. I'm pretty excited about that. Defense. defense. And Vandy's and,
4: defense versus Tennessee's offense, I wouldn't sleep on Vandy in that game.
3: Well, the problem is Vandy's or is Texas te- I've got too many teams in my Tennessee. head. Tennessee. Tennessee's defense just gave up 700 yards to Missouri.
4: And it was uh, running bro, the ball. Bro, uh, bro you ch- <laughs> Bro, I think Missouri's one of the best offenses in the country. Uh seriously, I think you're sleeping on their offense. Now, that's never been – that's nothing for them offensive-wise. Every game I've watched them play, uh, they've been very good on offense. I wouldn't be surprised if you looked their statistics up and they were in the top 20. They're
3: 13. They average five hundred. No, there you go.
4: Today. Look, I <laughs> told you every time I watch them on offense, I'm like, man, this is, offense is nasty. The Jamon Moore kid, he can't be stopped. He's like Mike Williams out there. <laughs> Yeah, they have something They have a pretty decent line, but yeah, man, Drew Lock, he can get it done. Those guys are really good on offense. So I, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even. They did that to everybody. I watched them, Kentucky, Georgia. They put up, they put up yards.
3: Yeah, they just didn't put up enough points because Tennessee hung sixty three on them. Yeah, but, they
4: can't stop anybody. Worse, they have one of those Mississippi State, Arkansas defenses as well.
3: Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get to anyway. it, man. Let's get to the draft, man. I have
4: yes. to, I have to break it to you. I would take Carl Lawson over Tim Williams, and I'll tell you why. I think Carl Lawson is a more complete player while being pretty darn explosive Not that he's healthy. Um, I'm not sure if his sack totals, if you can look that up, he may be approaching double-digit sacks just like Tim Williams, but I know for a fact that this cat is nasty against the run. He's He's a legit 250. So whatever you think Tim Williams is, he is that. And if you put him next to Tim Williams, you can see the difference. Uh, this kid is about as muscular as it gets. Carl Lawson's a bad boy. Bad man. He can set the edge. Uh, you can use him on wraps and loops. Uh, you can even kind of step back and play some shallow zone coverage, man. Carl Lawson is – don't sleep yeah, on Carl, Carl Lawson. Lawson.
3: looking at him, he's got nine sacks. Woo. Just Just – just – Quickly pulling through ESPN, credited with nine sacks. Apparently, he didn't play against Alabama A and M because there are no stats available. But Uh-oh. I'm sure Auburn rested everybody that had even like a hangnail, much like Alabama wanted to, but really couldn't.
4: He's gonna be fired up, man. Him versus Jonah Williams is about to be off the chain.
3: Mm-hmm. It's gonna, right. be a, gonna be gonna be good fun. So what but do you yeah, think about I, that? I would. No, I would buy that. I think Carl Lawson is a more complete player. I think that Tim Williams has shown at times that he can get in space, but it hasn't been consistent enough to where I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to be good doing this. Similar with Tim Williams handling run-stuffing duties. He's had some times where it's been excellent, but it's not this thing where I can think of three and four and five plays a game where I'm just like, man, Tim Williams played that perfectly. So I think I I would take Carl Lawson over Tim Williams if you could get that trade.
4: No doubt about it, man. I think... Moving forward, though, for the NFL purposes, I would take Tim Williams just because he doesn't have a history injury, a uh, injury, a history of injuries like Carl Lawson does, and that's something that you definitely need to factor in, man. When cats are hurt in college, chances are they'll be hurt in the NFL too.
3: Yeah, there, I, I, I can see that argument, but and, and Tim Williams is Tim Williams has been, he's going to get drafted very highly because he's such a fantastic pass rusher. It'll be interesting to see how that production, if it sustains, going forward in the NFL. All
4: right, so on the other side there, I think these guys have a future Uber star in Marlon Davidson, true freshman. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure of him, but he's kind of like a Carl Lawson clone. You know what I mean? He's great against the run. Right now, I'm not sure if his pass rush moves are up to snuff or exactly where he stands at, affecting the quarterback like that. I'm pretty sure he does get to the quarterback. But I just love everything about his uh, his game, man, it being so complete. And I saw him. He jumped out the page right away in their spring game. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, Marlon Davidson is the truth. I'm like, he could start. Sure enough, man, he, he pushed a, a couple of guys back that people thought were going to be starting us. Uh, like uh, Jeff Holland, yeah, you know what I mean? Pushed him out the way. And Marlon Davidson is the cat that's been starting opposite of Carl Lawson on the other side of Edge player.
3: Yeah. He's listed at six three two seventy three, whereas Carl Lawson's six two two fifty three, but you know, fairly they're they're close. They're in the same ballpark. And he you know, interesting cat. I think again, going back to how we talked about with the offense, if we're building a futures team, I think Marlon Davidson's certainly one to trade for. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is right now, if you go defensive end for defensive end, you're talking Marlon Davidson for Jonathan Allen and there's just no. No, 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 you
4: wouldn't be no, no I don't no 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 I don't think that that would be the trade. I think it would be Marlon Davis or Ryan Anderson. He'd be an edge player. Jonathan Allen plays a lot more on the inside these days,
3: if you if you well, haven't really been noticing. No, I mean, I'm just – Jonathan Allen, if, I'm just going off – de- I'm going depth going, chart per depth chart. But
4: you can't do that, dog, because it's, you're talking about a 4-3 team versus a team that's traditionally a 3-4 team. So they're going to be listening to defensive ends, but they're actually interior players. They're five techniques for Alabama. So if we're going – you'd have to go edge player by edge player. So edge player would be – Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams would be yeah. more more like your edge players there. When we start talking about Jonathan Allen, it
3: have to be those guys – more of the, the interior. Montre- it's gonna the Montrevious Adams versus Jonathan Allen debate. It's gonna be the real deal, but I don't think so. But uh, okay, Ra- I, see, I think Ryan Anderson's had as good or better of a season as Tim Williams. So I, I, would, uh, I
4: would say that he had a better season, a more complete season. Maybe not yeah. explosive, but it, I mean, come on, if you're put in on third down to get to the quarterback, you should be able to do that. You're not. He's mm-hmm. still not necessarily uh, every down starter. Tim Williams isn't
3: to me. No. I think Ryan – I don't have a snap chart in front of me, but I feel like Ryan Anderson's on the field far more often than Tim Williams, mm-hmm. particularly so, on early downs. Well, So, no, I
4: wouldn't – future purposes, I probably would take Marlon Davis, and I think he has a chance to be more explosive and a more – I don't know. I don't know, man. He's 270 pounds. He's built a lot like Jonathan Allen. Yeah, like see, he, that
3: that was kind of where I went too. but – Yeah, I, I get what
4: you're saying with that. So, But it's just a different scheme, so it's hard to yeah. – you know what I mean – it's hard 4-3. to
3: superimpose. I no. uh, just okay. It, it, let, let's let's just say you, you know, have size a stats wise, on Marlon Davidson. Um, do I have stats? No, I can look those up. But look, it's, on,
4: sucker! Well, what else would I be telling you to do?
3: Um, talk to you about football. Obviously,
4: no, you're the <laughs> stats guy. Remember, Thomas <laughs> Stats Watts.
3: Well, I, I am that. So let's let's do some quick math in my head. He's got three sacks. Uh, on the year with one forced fumble and then tackles I cannot do this much math in my head this early yeah but he
4: looks like he's doing his thing right and this is in rotation this yeah was... he's
3: got 35-ish tackles on Ooh, the season three, 30, 3 sacks, 35 tackles 35-ish tackles and one forced fumble
4: as a true freshman so we're looking yes. at Ryan Anderson as a 5th year senior I believe he is right yes he's an old man I don't <laughs> know man Maybe Again. not right now. For this particular game, I wouldn't take him. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Next season, yeah. all, all bets would be off if, if Ryan Harrison was a fifth-year senior and Marlon Davidson was a true sophomore. I think Marlon is about to blow up, man.
3: Yeah. But, of course, we could say the same thing about Terrell Hall. That I was – Yeah. I <laughs> possibly so, possibly you, but this would guys, be interesting but, these, but i see i hear what you're saying yeah, these guys
4: have the same amount of experience on campus but Marlon has a production now
3: yeah agreed uh, that's that's what i was going to say he does have the production got to give him that credit but again i would take ryan anderson and okay. i'm not sure i'm desperate i'm i'm i guess i'm saying with production, Dave Marlon Davidson's better, but I think Terrell Hall has a chance to be special and they will be playing very similar positions going forward.
4: I do. I actually like
3: Christian Miller. That's true. Christian Miller's been there. Anthony Jennings has had a good season, particularly in the back end when he's gotten in. He's flashed a little bit. All right. Hell so Anthony well, Jennings was all of the field against LSU.
4: Yeah, so when you talk about those type of guys, those 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 um those guys that are coming in rotation, then I have to mention Jeff Holland, who I think is a mm-hmm. really good player. I, I want to see if Jeff Holland came from – no, I think he was there. I want to see if he was a transfer or something. No, they have another it, transfer. No. That's Paul James. Paul James, I'm not sure what happened to Paul James, though, but he was supposed to have been the truth, number 10, I believe. Um, but I haven't really been seeing him. But, though, Jeff Holland's a good player, too. That's what I thought was going to start over, Marlon Davidson. But Marlon came and took his shine, though. So All right, so moving on, let's go. Paul James
3: some- is injured, that's why. Oh, okay, makes sense. Yeah, Auburn's injuries are pretty – Pretty extensive, unfortunately.
4: Yeah, it's, that's that's bad. All right, so let's move it on to guys that are more interior type players. Uh, we can say Jonathan Allen is an edge player, but a lot of the time when you look in there, and they like to bring Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams and play yeah. them together, that makes Jonathan Allen's an interior player. So, yeah, that, uh, that's said, fair. You said, um, we'll say the best for last in on that. So, the, yeah. uh, we're talking about guys like Deron Payne, yes. Dalvin Tomlinson against guys like Dontavius Russell. Mari Swain, the guy who may be more talented than everybody. Derek Brown, Auburn freshman. Uh, from.
3: Alabama wanted him something fierce. Man, everybody last year. wanted him. Georgia thought they
4: had him. Yep, everybody wanted this kid. Mississippi, the Mississippi schools were on him. I think he has some um, family there, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got to know him on the recruiting trail. He's, he's from um, uh, the Longhorns, and I just actually went and just saw his brother a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Lanier, the Lanier Longhorns. Yeah, yeah they're Sugar guy. Hill, Georgia. Yep, Sugar Hill. Yeah, right outside of Lawrenceville. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That's that's pretty tough, man. I think Mari Swain's a really good player. Dontavious Russell is a cat who gets like no publicity, but he's always balling. Number ninety, mm-hmm. big number ninety-five. That cat is nasty, dude. Man, I, I'm so impressed when I watch Auburn's uh, defensive. You know what? You know what we're forgetting. A guy who may be more talented than all of these cats. Montrevious
3: Adams, no. is that who you're going with?
4: No, he's the most highly rated cat out of probably all of these cats that's not named Deshaun, and that would be Byron Coward.
3: Yeah. Unfortunately
4: Coward's hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But imagine that that, that these guys had on in rotation there. That was your yep. that was your guy that everybody thought was going to be a starter as well. And Marlon mm-hmm. came and outplayed him in the spring and um and, and pushed him. But he's in heavy, heavy rotation, too, and he's been making a lot of plays. He was killing in the Arkansas game. But, yeah, you're saying he's hurt. But I'm just saying that these guys are loaded. And those are future guys. Yep. Like, Howard's yep. just a true sophomore.
3: Yeah, Coward's a true sophomore. Dontavius Russell's a redshirt sophomore. And Derek Brown's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Alabama's good. You get to see him for a couple more years, Ty yes, And
4: don't, don't sleep on <laughs> Devereaux Lawrence, who's a guy that's made some plays for Auburn over the years as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, they, they they're loaded. I told you they go about eight, nine deep. Hopefully, my man Coward can play though. I wonder what's his injury extent. Uh, I think he had to
3: have an emergency appendectomy. Oh damn! Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, he, he he's he's supposed to be out for the season because of his appendectomy. So if I
4: wanted to trade for somebody right now, out of all those guys, I think it would be probably a push. I would say Derek Brown and Deron Payne are kind of running neck and neck on that. And Octavius I could, I could. Russell with his experience and everything like that, I would say that he's a push with Dalvin Tomlinson.
3: I think that's fair. I, th- I, th- I think push would be the fair. I would. I think Derek Brown might he might end up having a higher ceiling than Duran Payne, but Duron Payne has that extra year of playing time. Mm-hmm. So I, I again I would I didn't see we gotta,
4: that we got to mention Deshaun Hand too, right? Deshaun Hand is, is, By- is Byron mm-hmm. Coward.
3: Yeah, okay. Yeah, the same number and everything. Yep. <laughs> and Dontavius Russell. Again, we're talking futures because Dalvin Tomlinson's a senior. You have to seriously consider it. But I think Dalvin Tomlinson has been excellent for this Crimson Tide defense. So I, I would, I would be, I would be very reluctant to break up this group at this point. But I see where you're coming from.
4: Yeah, I think it's a push. I think that both teams are that good, and that's the spots to where they're loaded at. You know, so, all right, so, say the best for last month. Travis Adams, can you look up his stats? He's having an all-world year. He finally put it together after all the Georgia fans called him a bust because he didn't <laughs> Which is go to Georgia. silly. I will say this, though. Uh, there were times where I'm like, man, he could be doing a lot more. He should be doing a lot more for the type of publicity that he's getting, but uh, he put it yeah. together this year, right in time for the draft.
3: Uh, he's oh, yeah, this. it's a contract year. <laughs> there you go, man. So, what what what's the stats on him? He's got – Four sack or four and a half sacks. Okay. I'm doing this math right. Yeah, four and a half sacks. And then tackles-wise, he's really stepped it up for the back half of the year. So since Arkansas on the 22nd, he's raked in uh, 17 tackles total. But he's been really, really disruptive. Like the Georgia game, he was everywhere. Yes, that was the it. best game of his year. That was the Arkansas game. Well, Arkansas, he only he only registered five tackles and a half a sack against Georgia. He had seven tackles and one and a half sacks. So
4: that and the Arkansas
3: game. <laughs> yeah, well, the Ark. Arca- yeah, well, both yeah. of them. Yeah, and then the, his 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 other best game, his two best games. This guy plays big in big moments. His other two great games are against LSU and against Clemson, where yeah. he posted. Hand, um, handfuls of tackles and a half a sack or some, something like that, mm-hmm. but Montrevious Adams is a real deal. He is, man, and
4: guess what? You get, and guess who's the pilot of all of this that you can't say anything bad about because it's two straight
3: years of of balling? Kevin Steele? Yes. Call him daddy. I'm not going to call him anything close to that, <laughs> but I will I will get off his back.
4: Please get off that man's back. That man can coordinate some football, man. He's doing a great job <laughs> with these guys, and he's moving these guys all around you. Man, Montrevious Adams plays a lot of defensive end. Believe it or not. They That's have a, a
3: large man to be playing defensive end. 300 but okay.
4: Yeah, three hundred pound cat out there playing defensive end. And then they, yeah. they actually do some stuff to where, believe it or not, they play him at the end and then they move uh your man Carl Lawson to like a three technique. Then they have those guys run games from there, two man games and stuff like that. He's very creative with how they deploy these guys. And but yeah, but most of the time you see my Adams, man, he's he's banking it at a um at a slanted one technique. Uh, mm-hmm. Or his normal three technique, but they move him all around just to try to see what the matchups are like. Um thing about Carl Lawson, though, is like they usually, if he's not running on the inside, he's usually playing that same left D-, D end position. So it would be really him and Jonah Williams getting it on. Hmm. And this may yeah. be, a, this may be a, a game to where what you call it gets exposed to your boy, Cam Robinson. Well, I want to see Mar- that would be bad. him and Marlon Dateson get it on. that will be nasty. And yeah, it'll Swain. be fun. Yeah, but it'd be fun. I would not take Montrevious Adams over Jonathan Allen. I wouldn't take nobody on anybody's defense over Jonathan Allen. I think he's the best, the best cat yeah. doing it
3: in the I country. Would, I, I would as well. I was just saying it's going to be an interesting discussion because you know Montrevious Adams has had a good year, but I think that uh, yeah, Jonathan Allen's just the real deal. Yeah, Jonathan
4: Allen to me is a franchise player for somebody's NFL team. I think Montrevis Adams is one of those guys where he'd be like, oh, man, he's a great, great player. But Jonathan Allen's like a – who would you say? Who's a big-time franchise player. Like, a, he's – Jonathan Allen's Geno like – Geno Atkins. A, yeah, like, like a Geno Atkins line. or yeah. a J.J. Watt type cat. You know what I mean? Where he he's the focal point. Whereas yeah. Whereas Montrevis would be kind of an assisting. So. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, let's go ahead and get a prediction out of you, and then
3: you wrap it up. Uh, mm. Okay, well we're a little bit closer, so I th- I, the starters still remain in the air. I'm just gonna I'm gonna back off my prediction a little bit. I'm gonna say Alabama wins
4: 35-14. Okay, okay, I, I can dig that. I'm gonna say Alabama wins
3: 28 to 10. Okay, solid, solid, solid win either way. So I'll take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and ironically, you're know, looking at. Auburn's year the defense has not given up that many points very often so this could be an interesting one Mm -hmm. like the closest one the closest team the highest score they've given up is 29 to Ole Miss and that was that was pre-Chad Kelly injury so or 29 Mm -hmm. to Texas A&M excuse me but But
4: but I want you guys out there listening to this I want all you guys to pay attention to that defensive front of Auburn and of course Alabama's and then make your own assessment and hit us up on Twitter and tell me if there's anybody that you would like to trade for from Auburn's team. Just, you know, hypothetically, of course, it's not real, but just yeah. giving those guys props and and being analytical in that
3: in that aspect. That was me, Thomas Watts, and Murph Baldwin discussing what we saw coming into the Iron Bowl. And, and well, as we bounced around a little bit. You know, we talked a little Tennessee Vandy. You, know, you get kind of a – a quick whip around through the SEC and a preview of a lot of games that you'll see for both Friday and Saturday. But this last piece of audio, we are going to have a little bit shorter show, only about an hour and a half. But this last piece of audio is a recruiting focused piece of audio from Drew DeArmond. He talked to John Garcia of Scout.com and John's a good friend of the program and he had a fantastic scoop on who all we're expecting to see in Tuscaloosa this weekend in terms of, you know, five stars, four stars, visits, and whatnot. So without further ado, here we go. This is Drew Diarmon talking to John Garcia, Jr.
0: John, always great to catch up with you. How are you this morning?
3: Cannot complain, Drew. A little chilly, but um, it's also a sign
2: that Thanksgiving is near, which is obviously uh, in cahoots with the Iron Bowl weekend, so cannot complain.
0: Yeah, absolutely, John. And it's a big weekend for Alabama with uh, visitors. I know you've already started to monitor this situation. It was a huge visitors weekend for Texas A&M. They had double-digit five stars in town, and I know you think uh, this Iron Bowl weekend could be even more significant.
2: Yeah, you know, it's only Tuesday, um, and we've only really talked about official visitors. um, But even with a couple of... Additions to that with unofficial visitors, it's already you know about halfway there to those double-digit five stars. So it's uh, it's as gaudy as can be, as you would expect. It is the Iron Bowl. People understand that, and it's not just regional kids. You know, kids from coast to coast. Of course, it starts with Najee Harris, number one player in the country, Alabama commitment. Everybody knows that name by now. Um, expected visitor, but important that he is still visiting, and mom will come with. For those wondering. Um, and then some, you know, I guess lesser expected guys. How about Aubrey Solomon, the five-star defensive tackle from Lee County, Georgia. One time Michigan commit. Then after he decommitted, it really seemed like it was all Georgia. Um, Bama was always kind of there, and now it gets its shot to host him, and his mother will be there as well, which is just as important as, as Najee Harris's mother. Um, so there's five stars galore. You know, commitment, Alex Leatherwood will be in attendance. Five-star, number one safety, Devin Hunter will be in attendance. And five-star types like LeBron Ray, Nico Collins, uh, guys like that will also be in attendance. Not, not officially. Uh, unofficial visitors, they are. But uh, still important, uh, no less, for this Iron Bowl. And, again, that list is just going to improve as time goes on here. Uh, again, official visitor-wise, near double digits, uh, most of those guys four stars are better. Three or four of them five stars. Uh, and then the unofficial guys will have many more five stars among them in multiple classes as well. So it's going to be quite crazy. There'll be well over 100 recruits in attendance, as there is for basically every single Iron Bowl, so this one will be just as important. And uh, I would imagine a large percentage of this Alabama class of 2017 when the final numbers are tabulated will have been on campus for this game. So that alone uh, is reason for for Bama fans to be very excited about the recruiting aspect of playing your in-state rival.
0: Yeah, and and the most significant one thus far, because of the battle with Michigan, to me, is Najee Harris. Uh, they've been wanting to get him back on campus, John, and as you said, his mother, who is very high on Nick Saban in Alabama. I know Alabama would like to lock down uh, his uh, recruitment, kind of, as we've seen them do with Tua Tagovailoa in the last several days.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's, I think at this point, if you're Najee Harris, I mean, you've been to Bama four times. His mother's been to Bama two times. So, If you're not planning on going to Alabama, why take this trip? That's what logic says, because it's been hard for Najee to take trips. He he squeezed in a UCLA visit because it was an in-state official visit a couple weeks back. He tried to get to Bama-Texas A&M. It didn't work logistically with his situation. Last week, he tried to get to Michigan-Indiana for Michigan's final home game. It didn't work logistically. He played a game on Saturday, a playoff game, which he helped Antioch High School win. Um, So it's been basically a nightmare for him to try to schedule visits. There's no way I see him taking all five trips. So he could have visited Ohio State for for that Michigan game this coming weekend. um, Ohio State's high on his list. Obviously they play Michigan, which is what everybody feels is the top threat to Alabama, so he'd be able to at least see Michigan play, which he has never done in person. So there are other avenues that Najee could have taken this coming weekend. So for him to bring mom, to Tuscaloosa, I think tells you, you know, hey, mom, let's go see where I'm going to college for the next few years. That's where it reads to me, knowing Najee, knowing his mom, and, again, just knowing how tough it's been for him to make one visit officially. So um, I think it, it tells you a lot from the Alabama perspective. Obviously, one thing to schedule it, we've got to see, you know, Saturday morning, did they make it to Tuscaloosa, but they do play on a Friday this week, so I don't envision that being very tough to do. The kickoff, obviously, Is in the afternoon. It's not an 11 a.m. kick. So I think there's some benefits here for Najee's camp getting to Tuscaloosa. It's what I expect, and I do expect it to be sort of a final look at the school that he plans on going to, although Michigan will get a trip sometime the first week of December. Uh, It could be a weekend visit or it could be a midweek visit. That's still on the table for Najee Harris. So Michigan is going to get the final shot, is going to get a true look from Najee again it will be he and his mother's uh, second visit each to Ann Arbor when it materializes but again uh, I think him coming in this weekend I think tells you a lot about where he really does stand in recruiting Um, and obviously if he does come through I think it'd be very tough for Michigan to make up that much ground in in about a week a week or two before that dead period kicks in uh, next month
0: and you talked about Aubrey Solomon and as of right now that's an official visit correct
2: Yes, it is. It's confirmed 100% official visit uh, with mom. so that means 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, they'd play Friday night. And they could head over at that point, or they could wait till early Saturday morning and stretch the visit into Monday because you do get those 48 hours. That's something that I think he and Najee Harris could potentially do, stretch it into Monday to get an even more intimate look at time with the coaching staff uh, as well as time in Tuscaloosa.
0: And then with Aubrey, uh, I know Georgia has been considered – uh, after he decommitted from Michigan, uh, the top uh, competition uh, for Alabama, though Michigan is still in it. Uh, I know Aubrey's had a great uh, senior season from what I understand, and uh, many people believe he and Marvin Wilson are the two best interior DLs in the country. Your thoughts on uh, if Alabama can make a big push this weekend?
2: Absolutely. Uh, he's another kid where, you know, time is limited. Uh I don't think he'd be taking this visit if Bama wasn't very high on his list. And and I think people forget, you know, he surprised everybody with that commitment to Michigan, including his mother who was unable to attend (laughs) in the summertime. But right before that trip, Drew, Bama was the leader, you know, and it was sort of public. Uh, It was Bama was on top, long way to go kind of situation and kind of feel. And then he goes to Ann Arbor and and calls mom and, and tries to persuade her to, saying, hey, I'm committing here. Uh, You'll see why very soon. And they have since returned to Ann Arbor for an official visit, and she has seen a lot of the reasons why he committed. And Michigan certainly is right up there with Georgia and Alabama. Uh, It's it's like Nico Collins' talk 2.0 with with Aubrey Solomon, same three schools. Um, But the difference is that Aubrey hasn't been to Tuscaloosa as much. Uh, So I think that's why it'll be important for him to to really lock it in with Alabama. Again, Bama has led in the past. Um, It could still lead after this weekend. It's it's a little more open, I think, than than it's being presented. Uh, Again, the Michigan decommitment really sort of reset this whole recruitment, but Bama did lead shortly before that point, and I think there's a lot of reasons why, and Mom's going to get the full experience this time for uh, his first game in Tuscaloosa this year, and obviously the, their first official visit and only official visit to Tuscaloosa.
0: And then uh, with Devin Hunter, I think that's interesting. There's uh, he, He's uh, kind of setting his decision date and his visits, and uh, he is uh, scheduled to be in Tuscaloosa for an unofficial this weekend.
2: Yeah, and he's, yeah, like you said, Michael Clark of, of scout.com has confirmed an, a commitment date for Devin. He's always sort of wanted to do his own thing. He's much. Uh, he's not a follower. He doesn't want to commit at an All-American game or on signing day. He wants kind of his own thing. So why not Christmas Eve? So that, that's when he's going to pop. So about a month and two days from this moment, we'll know where the number one safety in the country is headed. He's been to Bama several times in the past. Um, Bama's been high on his list for a very long time, has been in his top five for a very long time. So this will probably be the last impression. Um, there there could be an official visit. This one is just going to be for Saturday, an unofficial visit. But, again, we, we get into timing and we get into the dead period. Bama's also got the SEC championship game. So not a lot of time left in between now and when he enrolls in January, like a lot of these elites are doing this year, for him to get back to Tuscaloosa. So I do expect this to be Bama's final impression in person with Devin Hunter now the coaching staff can go visit with him in Virginia that's obviously a different slate of visits but in terms of in Tuscaloosa I think this would be the last shot for Bama to make up some ground and let's be honest Virginia Tech and Florida probably a little bit ahead of Alabama at this point for the top safety in the land so if Bama is going to make a move Saturday is going to have a
1: lot to do with it
0: yeah, absolutely. And then uh, another uh, key situation for Alabama uh, is, you know, w- what they continue to do uh, and w- how they continue to recruit uh, the, on the defensive line. Uh, and uh, we know a big part of that. Uh, and he may end up being signed as a Jack linebacker, but most people think he's going to grow into a defensive end. Jerez Parks is coming off, uh, you know, a visit to the University of Alabama. It was his official visit, and I know you uh, had a chance to catch up uh, to him with him. And Alabama has been considered to be the favorite for a while now. What did Jerez Parks have to say uh, about his visit to Alabama?
2: Yeah, I, I think Bama's still in the driver's seat for his recruitment right now. You know, going into, you know, this weekend, it was perceived as Florida being right behind Alabama, but in fact, it was Florida State. Based on sources down in Sebastian, where I actually was at on Friday night to watch his, his final high school game, they say Florida State is actually number two on that list right now. And for those who care, he was wearing some Florida State football gloves on Friday night. Uh, but Jerez, certainly, Bama's in very good position. And in talking to him, he likes the consistency from alabama basically for a year and a half it's been a very similar pitch you can come play the edge stand up hand in the ground whatever it you grow into as you mentioned there drew you can come do that at a high level and play fairly early here at alabama tosh Lupoy has spearheaded that recruitment and we know the big names that lupoi has brought in for alabama i mean just look at this class naji harris and dylan moses the last two number one prospects in the country in this 2017 cycle, are brought in under his watch. Uh, So obviously that's a positive. Lupoy was at the game Friday night on the other sidelines from where I was videoing. We actually have video of that up at bamamag.com if you want to check out uh, Parks in his final high school game. And and he flashed those same qualities. So I'm sure Lupoi reiterated that uh, this weekend with him on campus. But Jerez said that the good part of this weekend was not only extended time with Nick Saban, which he really hadn't had in the past, because in previous visits, and he doesn't take many visits, but in previous trips to Tuscaloosa, it was with a lot of recruits. See, this past weekend, just three official visitors, one committed to Bama, one former commitment, and then Parks. So Parks was the clear priority of the weekend, so he got a lot of individual time with Nick Saban, and he also – afforded uh, the Parks family a chance to get up to Tuscaloosa. His aunt, his uncle, an assistant coach, all of his siblings, his mom, everybody sort of came up to Tuscaloosa for a true look at Alabama. And he said they all fell in love with it. They loved the southern hospitality aspect. Parks is a quiet, uh, intimate-type kid. So all of those boxes are checked from the Alabama perspective. But it was just the first official visit. He's going to see Florida State this coming weekend for their big rivalry game against Florida and we would expect him to take official visits to at least the Florida Gators in between now and making a final decision. And he still doesn't quite know when he wants to go public with that final decision. So there's still some potential moves left for Jerez Parks, but Alabama's sitting about in as good a position as anyone could have expected with uh, arguably the top you know front seven guy in the South, much less the state of Florida.
0: And then to talk about linebacker a little bit, John, uh, uh, Baron Browning, it looks like Alabama uh, really knocked it out of the park on his official visit, and there's been a lot of buzz about uh, them making a big move in his recruitment. And then another in-state kid who's committed to Auburn uh, but very likely will be in Tuscaloosa this weekend is uh, Tadarian Moultrie of Jackson-Owen.
2: Yeah, linebacker, um, you know, still some potential moves. We mentioned Parks as a, as a Jack linebacker and Chris Allen, even Malik Herring still in the game. At that position, but for the traditional linebacker spot, it really does start with Baron Browning and filter down to T.D. Moultrie. Two different guys. Browning, versatile pass rusher, he can drop in coverage. He's sort of the Rashawn Evans skill set type of this class so he can kind of do everything, which is good for today's uh, you know modern offenses that are also throwing everything at you. Um, and yeah, Bama hosted him for Texas A&M, did a good job but I think, you know, I worry a little bit about how people have, I guess, reacted to that. He hasn't said much, so when that happens, typically any little bit of information can perhaps get overanalyzed, and I wonder if that has happened with this recent Bama trend. One, because it's not over for him. He is committing a week from today, so November 29th we'll know with Baron Browning, but very big official visit for him this weekend for another rivalry game. He'll be at the Horseshoe in Columbus for Ohio State against Michigan. Michigan was his first official visit, so he's going to get the full circle with the Wolverines. But it's really the, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes that are, are sort of, I think, the dark horse late threat for him. And a lot of people thought he would stay in state, and, and he dropped a top six that did not include the Texas Longhorns, but it did include the TCU Horned Frogs. We understand he's got some family ties there. But so I think Ohio State and TCU are the dark horses here. UCLA, which is a school long been rumored for him is in that final cut, and then Bama's got all the trend right now. So there's still a long way to go for me um, with Baron Browning. I do think Bama has helped itself immensely in the last month, and I do know that the staff has prioritized him. Um, He's one of these guys that even though they may not need a certain position, you take him anyway. It's much like we've seen with the offensive line and potential offensive line additions with Trey Smith and Isaiah Wilson. Sometimes you just got to take the best available, and Baron Browning, in terms of a versatile linebacker, is the best available nationally in this class. And then T.D. Moultrie, he's a different situation. He's a straight-up inside linebacker. He's in that Reuben Foster mold. That's actually the guy he looks up to the most. They've got a great relationship. They've kept a great relationship despite his commitment to the Auburn Tigers. And, and Mario Cristobal is heading his recruitment again. If, if Tosh Lupoy is the best recruiter, assistant Bama's got, Mario Cristobal is, is very narrowly behind him. And He's been National Recruiter of the Year in the last couple of years, so he's been heavy on Moultrie for, for several years here now, and, and Bama's really re- retooled that recruiting board since these guys have played the bulk of their senior seasons, and one of the guys who has steadily risen is T.D. Moultrie, and it makes sense because he played linebacker for the first time this year. He's up to 225. He was a 210-pound, 205-pound safety a year ago, so they liked some things, but they wanted to see it in action, and now... Bama has seen it, Bama has liked it, obviously Auburn continues to like it, so that's going to be a fun battle there at the very end. I think you pay attention to Browning's decision on the 29th. If he goes elsewhere, the focus definitely shifts to TD Moultrie, who will be in town for this Iron Bowl. He actually just let me know that he'll be in town unofficially to watch his top two teams go at it. So he's an interesting in-state guy to keep an eye on and probably the most important in-state defender to keep an eye on, not named LeBron, right?
0: And then, uh, John, speaking to LeBron Ray, uh, what are his plans this weekend in Tuscaloosa?
2: You could take a wild guess, Drew, at which game he'll be at. <laughs> he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll be at the Iron Bowl. Yeah, it, it, you know, if you're an in-state guy, you know, even if you, you didn't think you would go, as time gets closer to that 2.30 kickoff between the two in-state schools, you go. And LeBron Ray's not even considering Auburn anymore, but he's still – wants to go Uh, and certainly the tide would love to host him again top target in state and you could argue that even with all these other guys we've talked about solomon and devin hunter and verrez parks guys ranked higher than lebron ray you could make the argument that ray is more important to alabama's board than all of those guys uh so that's how highly alabama thinks of this kid, again, you talk about d linemen, you talk about edge defenders, which is largely what Bama's losing on that defense, and LeBron Ray is one of these guys who, again, can play multiple positions there, Uh, ferocious pass rusher, but a strong point of attack run defender as well, Uh, so again, he's important, he's in state, Uh, and he's got a long way to go in his battle, too. You know, He's going to take some official visits, I think Mississippi State will get him on campus, Florida will get him on campus in the coming weeks, and then Bama could potentially get a very late visit uh, upwards in January. So right before National signing Day, they could get the official visit. So that's why it's important that Ray is visiting unofficially here for the Iron Bowl. And he's already taken in probably three or four other Alabama home games this year. So Bama feels good. Again, he's in-state. The Tigers are not in it. Uh, So it would be a fairly big upset if he left the state.
0: And then, uh, John, uh, Jerry Judy, I know, is coming off his uh, official visit uh, in Tuscaloosa. They got a big playoff win. Uh, I know the Gators have not given up recruiting him. Is he still, in your mind, solid to Alabama?
2: I think so, Drew. And and we talk about the timing with guys like Najee Harris and Devin Hunter. These early enrollee prospects who are elite prospects, timing is 100% of everything. And Jerry Judy's still in the playoff. They're chasing – you know, uh, early December state championship in Orlando, Florida. So that's going to limit the visits elsewhere. And that's why it was important that he already got in that Alabama official visit. He visited uh, for the Mississippi State game, loved it. Plenty of time with Nick Saban at Nick Saban's house. We all know he's very close to Calvin Ridley, uh, a guy he looks up to and pretty much models his game after. Um, So it's going to be hard for anybody to flip Judy but Florida is in need of playmakers at wide receiver we've seen their offense struggle these last couple of seasons and they've really sold him on that and he basically said it's it's really just Bama and Florida at this point I think he's gonna do his due diligence he could take that official visit up to Florida but again he's an early enrollee his team is still rolling in the playoffs so the timing of it and when he could actually go spend 48 hours in Gainesville and again you know Florida's got a road game this weekend, and they've got the SEC championship game the following weekend. So a true 48-hour visit with Jim McElwain and company, it's just seeming, you know, seemingly less likely as you progress here because, again, that dead period does run up against uh, the middle of December. So it's going to be tough for him to visit Florida. So, again, it was important for him to do it with Alabama, and he's been to Bama just as much or more than Florida as it is. So I just think the odds of him flipping from the Tide to the Gators and enrolling at UF, uh, fairly slim at this point, uh, but they're still certainly in the game, and, and that's coming from Judy himself.
0: And then, uh, John, uh, we, we, we look at this uh, defensive back class, and we've already talked about uh, Devin Hunter and Alabama, they kind of behind in that recruitment, but uh, they have you know, seemed to surge with D'Angelo Gibbs. Uh, they've also uh, put themselves in an excellent position to flip Daniel Wright, but Xavier McKinney, a one-time commit, also was on campus this past weekend. Uh, where, do, where do you think uh, it stands with McKinney right now in Alabama? I would think he's uh, down the board behind a couple of guys, but I know he he's had an excellent senior season.
1: Yeah,
2: and he's you know Alabama liked him a long time ago for a very very smart reason. He's a balanced safety. He. he checks a lot of the boxes that Bama's looking for with its safety, um, similar to Daniel Wright in that respect. Um, so it was important for him to get back on campus. If Bama is going to make up any ground, it had to sort of correct what, what, in his opinion, were some flaws in how Bama recruited he and his mother. They felt uh, that times last season when he was committed, they didn't get the love. They didn't get the love. Uh, so, you know, obviously that's all subjective. Uh, so I'm sure Bama... Saw that, saw those comments that he gave to Scout.com leading into that visit and, and probably reacted positively. But again, I think more important than that is the board. How many safeties can really be brought in by Alabama? One is the safe bet, two is probably a stretch. And you've mentioned so many guys already Devin Hunter, who's visiting, Xavier McKinney just visited, Daniel Wright just visited, uh, D'Angelo Gibbs has taken an official visit. And then we haven't even mentioned the guy who might be atop the board at safety, Jacoby Stevens, the LSU commitment who is expected to make his first official visit other than the school he's committed to, LSU, this weekend at Alabama for the Iron Bowl. So there's a lot of safeties and there's just so few spots uh, that it's hard to project Xavier McKinney in the class. And that's even before you get to the fact that he was public about his displeasure with how Alabama recruited him while he was a commitment so clemson feels good there florida feels good there notre dame even to some respect so i don't envision him back in this alabama class at this time i'm not saying it's impossible but both the board and sort of his comments make me think that it's very improbable that he ends up back as a crimson tide player
0: well and john uh all all over uh, this, you know, ever-evolving and changing uh, visitors weekend for Alabama, both official and unofficial visits, as you said. Uh, scout.com expecting 100-plus visitors for this Iron Bowl. Uh, but uh, I know you're going to get a chance to spend some quality time with your family for Thanksgiving, but will you be uh, at, a, at a game on Friday?
2: No, this is going to be the one-by-week. It's sort of the one we always take. Uh, there's only six games in the state of Alabama, and we'll we'll see mm. – you know, six of those teams, no matter what, um, for the Super 7, or 12 game, I should say, six uh, spots yes. left in the championship game. So we'll, we'll see six of them regardless uh, next week for the state championships, and we'll be saddled up at Jordan-Hare Stadium for each and every one of those Super 7 games, and obviously one of them already set with the, the black and orange bowl between Hoover and McGill-Tulin, which will be a, a battle of strengths, you know, McGill's offense against Hoover's defense. So we'll sit it out, we'll pay attention, and we'll use the good old technology uh, behind the internet to help us check in some highlights and stuff like that. But we'll, uh, we'll take the bye week and then we'll be ready to go for the super seven. And then my favorite week right after that, the Alabama Mississippi all-star week as Bama looks to get back on the winning side of that rivalry.
0: Yeah. And uh, people forget that comes up now right after really the super seven, uh, they go right into that week of practice. And I know you, you love covering that and evaluating guys in person and uh, I do like the way the fact that they've changed it to uh, right after their season concludes because guys are in shape, they're ready to go, they're ready to play. And uh, and, and again, you you see some of them as far as early enrollees, uh, they'll be enrolling at their school of choice uh, right after that as well. But it's, it should be some great stuff. And John, thank you. We always appreciate your time. Let everybody know about your Twitter feed. And also don't forget everyone about Scout HS Alabama, also outstanding. Uh, and then uh, I know you'll be what you'll be working on, a lot of Iron Bowl coverage this week in recruiting.
2: Yeah, Iron Bowl from all angles on both BamaMag.com as well as AUTigers.com on the Scout Network. We're going to cross-pollinate a lot there. And then, like you said, Scout HS Alabama. We're going to be working overtime into state championship weekend and into the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Week uh, there's going to be a lot of cross-pollination, but but certainly the Iron Bowl is the priority. So certainly check us out at Scout, BamaMag.com, as well as AUTigers.com.
3: And that was Drudy Armand and John Garcia talking a little bit of recruiting, but... That is it for this best of Thanksgiving episode of BAMS Radio. We'll be back next week discussing what hopefully should be a big BAMA win over the Auburn Tigers and getting everybody ready for a date in Atlanta with the Florida Gators with the SEC Championship on the line. But that's it for this edition of BAMS Radio. Everybody have a great rest of your week, a safe, happy Thanksgiving, and roll tide.